What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the It's Game Time podcast. My name is Jet, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Eric. Eric, how you doing today? I'm doing good. It's the Andy Pettit episode. Obviously, that is the reason why I'm wearing my brand new Yankees hat. Uh, my other one was getting, I would say, a little bit uh, worn down, would you say? I mean, you saw it multiple times. Oh, it, worn, worn down is probably generous. I mean, definitely definitely time for a new hat. I'm not sure if that was a wise investment. I don't know if you really get your money's worth wearing that around town this upcoming season. Whoa, based off the- whoa they're going to at least get a wild card spot. Come on now. I mean, the season is officially, while we're recording this, we're recording this on a Thursday this week, is two weeks away. Officially, precisely two weeks away, my Yankees are opening up homestand against the Red Sox, against Trevor Stories. Trevor Story has signed with the Red Sox since the last time that we recorded, and along with the other high marquee names i mean jorge uh, jorge soler signed with your marlins and a yes. big name probably the biggest name of all of them right am i right oh yeah no doubt about that that's the one i was most excited about i could care less about the other moves <laughs> i mean i mean so trevor story signs with the socks he's going to be moving to second base is what everyone anticipates uh freddie freeman obviously goes to the dodgers I think everyone was expecting that. Uh, he damn, damn sure was not going to go to the Blue Jays, and it was, it would be hell on earth if the Rays were going to be willing to spend money on him. Am I right? I uh, know you're right. I was hoping Freddie Freeman to go to the Rays, but obviously it's it would have been very hard to make that situation happen. Obviously, going to the Dodgers now, the Dodgers had enough money to spend on him and more probably still remaining to spend just because that's just the nature of that club. But now looking at their lineup, um, it just got a lot more deeper, and it's going to be another probably exciting season for the Dodgers offense. Yeah, it's going to be Justin Turner, Trey Turner, Max Muncy, who Max Muncy, sorry, who is arguably a top ten first baseman in the league. Oh, and then you have the best first baseman in the league, and Freddie Freeman playing first base now. You're you're moving your original first baseman to second base because that's just how versatile the Dodgers uh, team, how versatile they are. And then you have Mookie. Don't forget, you have Mookie Betts, who is an MVP in the outfield. You have Cody Bellinger, who is coming off of a really down year, but he is still Cody Bellinger, and he was contending for an MVP himself. And then you have Chris Taylor, who is the ultra-super utility guy that can probably even pitch if, if you needed him to. And then you have Will Smith as well as their catcher. Like, I don't – I can't really pinpoint a weakness in this lineup. When you have Cody Bellinger, who is, you know, um, former former uh, MVP, uh, former in the MVP race, um, that's, that's crazy just to think about. Him being at the bottom of your lineup on a team that, like I said, it's a crazy deep lineup. They're going to be competing for a World Series once again this year. And obviously – Money when you have money you, and you're able to spend it correctly, it can, it can pay off big time. Yeah, who needs Corey Seager? <laughs> who needs him, anyways? Wait, right now, can we? This is a fun little exercise. We'll get to the other signings, uh, real real quick. But since we're talking about the Dodgers, can we run through what we can anticipate or what you would 
guess would be their opening day lineup par- barring everyone is healthy. All right. So like, we'll say like we name the nine guys. We, you, you, you make your lineup and I'll make mine. How about that? You want to okay. do that? Okay. Well let's go, let's go position by position. Okay. I mean, sorry, not like lot, like yeah. starting off, I, off a top. I, I think for me, one would be Trey Turner. Absolutely. Without a doubt, it is going to be Trey Turner. He is wicked. Not like freaking. He's wicked quick. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Like that man is one of the fastest players in the league. So he's obviously line, uh, leading off um, for number two. Let me think here. Let me think. I, I, oh, number two, number two. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mookie Betts. That that's who I'm gonna go with as well. I think it, it I just think makes that's sense. A great, great spot. Probably best hitter in on, in the lineup. I, arguably, I've, there's just so many good hitters <laughs> in this lineup. Usually, good good thing to do is put your best hitter number two, and then get some of those powery guys and really good hitters right behind them. Yeah. Number three, I would, uh, I think it's kind of obvious to put Freddie Freeman at number three. You got to get a lefty in there at one point. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that fact, but I just prefer, um, having someone, uh, well actually notice what I'll do. I'm, I'm going to say Max Muncie third. Okay. That's who I, I was. Yeah. That's who I was debating too. I yeah. knew it had, I was like, it has to be a lefty at this point, but I was like, I'll just put Freddie Freeman there for, at the yeah, I, I, I like Max Muncie, Freddie, Max Muncie, Freddie Freeman. I think they're pretty much interchangeable at the three, four spot. I don't know if that's who you had at number four. I don't, but okay. I okay. don't, I don't, for me, if I were setting the lineup, on opening day, I don't want two righties, then two lefties. I want a little variety. So I put Justin Turner at the four hole. I do think Max Muncie, I would then put Max Muncie at the five hole just to split it up. I do think Max Muncie is a better hitter, but just because of the righty lefty combination, I I just want to put Turner there to split up the big, big lefties that are in the lineup. Okay. So I, I would have the two lefties uh, consecutively. That's not really something that I, I look at particularly just cause I want to have my best hitters in, in the, in the correct order as I see fit. So I would go three Max Muncy, four Freddie Freeman, and then five Justin Turner. Okay. Now, I mean, we have the same top five and I think it's pretty obvious now. I mean, on ESPN, they have Chris Taylor as the DH and we cannot we we didn't list him but they also have AJ Pollock. <laughs> That's right. And yeah. they have Will Smith so but I ha- I went Max Muncy. I would then put I would then put actually Will Smith batting 6. Okay. Okay. Um so I have so I've um Turner at 5 and then 6 for me. I'm going to go Cody Bellinger. Um, obviously he's coming down a, a really poor season and it's not what we saw from him back in 2019. And I, I believe he still has plenty of that in him. And I know the Dodgers believe that. And I think that they might not give him like, obviously they're going to, you know, play him as much as they can to see if he can resolve some of those issues. But I think he, he belongs at this, in the sixth spot on this lineup. And that's, that's a great problem to have. Yeah. I, I mean, I would then put Cody Bellinger in my seven hole to then put my lefty again in there. Cause I'll have back to back. No, I'll have, I I'm trying to trying to give a lot of variety. I'm trying to make it tough on, on opposing teams to, to determine whether that they can't really even bring in a lefty specialist or a righty specialist at all, because it's just going righty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty. And then 
Is it lefty again? Did I say? So it's um, yeah. You're lefty. You have a no. You have a righty in your seven spot. I have a and a lefty in your six spot. That's me. That's me. That's it's you. The other way around. It's the other way around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I would I would then finish it off with Chris Taylor and then AJ Pollock batting nine. Okay, I would have seven. Um, Will Smith eight. AJ Pollock nine, Chris Taylor. Ooh, you want to do that double leadoff type of yeah, stuff that's, going that's on? That's exactly what I was just gonna say. Chris Taylor at nine, it's it's the perfect double leadoff. Is when the lineup turns around. I mean, just look at the lineup again. You got Chris <laughs> Taylor leading off, and then you got Trey Turner, um, Mookie Betts, Max. It's just no. There's really no wrong way to assemble this lineup. That's no. just the beauty of this. Um, I think for a lot of other teams, it's a lot more. Um, a lot more easier to compile just because of some of the way the teams are structured. But the Dodgers, you can make an argument for a lot of different guys at a lot of different spots in the order. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have Gavin Lux on the bench. <laughs> you can give any... Gavin Lux can play anywhere he sees fit. He can play in the outfield. Yeah, his main position is second base, but he can play in the outfield. So you want to give... If you want to give... Uh, Trey Turner night off. Put Gavin Lux at shortstop. He'll thrive. You can that, put Chris Taylor at shortstop, yeah. and he'll thrive. That's one of the crazy good things about how the Dodgers assemble this lineup because you have so many guys throughout the course of their team that can play multiple multiple positions. Trey Turner, Chris Taylor, um, obviously A.J. Pollock anywhere in the outfield, Cody Bellinger anywhere in the outfield, or even first if you need him, Mookie Betts anywhere in the outfield. Max Muncie. Max Muncie anywhere in the infield. Can get, Except, I think, no, Will Smith can play first, I think. Will Smith, yeah. Gavin Lux can play anywhere. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous the amount of versatility they have off their up and down their lineup. I know it's it's insane. I oh I cannot I really am interested in that opening day lineup. Who do you think is it um who oh who who's gonna be their opening day starter? Uh, I would assume I would assume Walker Bueller. Yeah, yeah, Walker Bueller. I just was uh blanking on the name there. But now that we since we've finished uh glamoring over what could be the Dodgers lineup uh, the big move, the big, like, what the heck out of left field move was Carlos Correa's a twin. Uh, the twins are trying to make a push for a playoff spot, obviously, or why else would they make this move? The big thing about this move, though, is that after every year, Carlos Correa has an opt out after each year. A lot of people are speculating that he is just doing this. It, this is really just a one year deal, it seems like. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's very interesting. Like, I, I definitely agree with that fact that the reason those opt-outs are in there just because, you know, get that money in the one year and then pursue potentially a contender. Because I think at this point of, in spring training, guys want to get to their facilities and they want to get things going. With now the season, like you said, um, only two weeks away. And, I mean, I think the lockout kind of pushed some of these big free agents. We saw a lot of dominoes fall with Story, Freeman, um Correa as well just trying to finally find their teams maybe they were maybe not taking the offers that they originally wanted or the teams they wanted to play for but they just wanted to find a way to get get maybe that money for year one uh focus on this season and then obviously those opt-out provisions will help out if Correa looks to play for a contender which I, I don't think the twins are even a playoff contender really I mean you could you could argue they are but I, I just don't think they are good enough to compete for the playoffs no not at all I just they don't have the pitching they just don't have the – that's the only thing is that they just don't have the pitching. I mean, they have Buxton in center field who, before he got injured, was an MVP caliber player. 
Um, uh, I mean, it's just they have Sano also. Yeah, I mean, they also they just got Sunny Gray as well. Yeah, they like, got that, Sunny Gray. But like that, you're basically you traded Barrios uh, the deadline last year, and they just acquired Sunny Gray. Still, rotation spots two through five are are very weak. I mean, it's it's not like they they've done enough to you know say that they could compete for a playoffs. So obviously, pitching pitching has always been an issue for the Twins. Obviously, now uh, maybe Gary Sanchez can really uh, strengthen out this lineup and you know be a force. How about, you, force how about we talk about Gio Rochelle instead strengthening out this lineup? All right. I'm gonna miss Geo so much, um, uh, yeah. but hey, we got the Rainmaker, <laughs> Josh Donaldson. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? Um, it's all right. I mean, obviously, Josh Donaldson has uh, put up numbers, can still put up numbers, and he can stay healthy. That was a big thing, I think. Also, is um, he can play 130. Uh, I can't say the same for Gio Urshela or uh, Gary Sanchez. I can't. So, um, so yeah, it was. I mean, it's a bad look on the Yankees though now, because they, uh, the Twins obviously wanted to unload Josh Donaldson's fifty million on the books mm-hmm. so they can pay Carlos Correa. It's not a. It, it, I, I just, it's just not a good look for the Yankees. Honestly, it's really not. They they got swindled. They did, and I mean, it's they have pie in their face right now. And I mean, if Josh Donaldson can put up. I say twenty-five to thirty home runs. Then maybe it makes up for it if uh, Connor Falefa can put up fifteen home runs and like have like what like sixty RBIs with Josh. We're back now. Um, I just lost power uh, in the middle of recording. So what we were I, the big thing is is that like the audio interface that I use it got. It relies on like plug-in power, the like no batteries or anything like that. So when the power goes off, this thing turns off too. And it was in the and we were talking about all the M- M- MLB transactions that were being made. We talked about Freddie Freeman. We gave the Dodgers lineup. Uh, we talked about Trevor Story to the Red Sox. We talked about Carlos Correa to the Twins and all those moves. The issue is is that I don't know whether or not the audio file is corrupted until after we finish recording and I do the audio editing and all the stuff and I'll find out whether or not it <laughs> the prior recording got corrupted due to the power surge and my power at my apartment going out if it I really hope it's not I really hope it did not but I, uh, but like you'll you'll find out if it's if the episode starts like this, this is episode 46 the Andy Pettit episode if not I, I then think like, it's I think it's a sign Eric I think we've been talking about too much Yankees stuff on the past several episodes and it just <laughs> happened to get cut while we were talking about the Yankees apparent apparently I don't know because I just I just I everything turned off and t- immediately turned back on in here and like I just was kicked from the meeting. I looked down. The audio interface was off. And did so you like say anything? Like as soon I, as it all turned off, or just sort of sitting I there? I was just stunned. I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I mean, like you know how my day's been going so far. So oh, it's, yeah, yeah. it's no surprise yeah. at this point. Um, but uh, if the audio <laughs> file is corrupted and there's nothing good in the prior recording, then this is the start of the episode. It's odd, but. <laughs> What can we do? We're we're constrained with time. We can't really restart at this point. So, um, we uh, yeah, we talked about Freddie Freeman and the Dodgers and how 
powerful that lineup is. Trevor Story to the to the Red Sox, how he's playing at second base, and how how better the Red Sox lineup is. How much scarier the Red Sox lineup lineup is looking like, even more so than before. And Carlos Correa, and how this is kind of like a safety option for him because of the opt-outs after every year. Did I kind of sum up everything real nice and quick? Yeah, so sounds good to me. All right, and uh, if the power goes out again, guys, this is going to be the episode right here because I'm not restarting again. <laughs> it's not even thundering yeah. and lightning outside. I don't know why it went out. Just just so everyone knows, while uh, while the record the initial recording did get stopped, I don't know like what, what part of that will be in the first one if it's still alive. Um, I was just going on about the, the Yankees catching situation and oh, whatnot. Um, obviously, that's a – that's a situation. That's a type of situation that it would take up the course of a whole episode. So we're not going to get into that anymore because I know uh, there's a lot to be said on that. But uh, do you want to talk about some NFL news? Because I'm I'm excited about some NFL news. Yeah, I mean Matt Ryan's going to the Colts. <laughs> no, we'll hold that off. Uh, that's not the big news. The big trade is that Tyreek Hill. Is going to the Dolphins, going to see Mr. 305 in Miami. Jet, obviously, you are a renowned Dolphins fan, so I'll let you take it away, and hopefully that the power does not cut you out this time. Oh, I don't think it will. Um, the Dolphins are good luck, not as not as real bad luck as your uh, Yankees, but uh, for everyone listening right now, or if you're watching on YouTube, really quickly, just a little exercise, a little fun exercise, Eric, you can join in on, join in on as, as well. Um, I want everyone to take their two hands, put them together. And then put them above your head. Fins up, everybody. That is all I have to say about that trade. Um, exciting times down in Miami. Tyreek Hill, the fastest player in the NFL, is now joining a team that's full of guys that are really, really fast. When you have Raheem Mostert, Jalen Waddle, among others. But let's talk more about this Tyreek Hill trade, obviously. It was a lot to get him and even even more to extend his contract. Uh, the full details of the offer were a total of five picks, a first rounder, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder in this upcoming draft, and then a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder in next year's draft. I'm happy that we didn't have to give up multiple first rounders. I think we, we really got away with being able to keep both of our first rounders in 2023, which I'm very excited about. Our GM doesn't have a great history on hitting on um, picks towards the end of the first round, as we've seen with some of the offensive linemen that we've taken in the past. Yeah, you know, the second round pick hurts a little bit. I'm not too worried about the, the fourth rounds or sixth round pick. Obviously, those guys can turn out to be great, but that's to be determined. The point is we got a player that's a guarantee to be good, obviously pending he stays healthy. Another weapon added to Tua. And obviously, this is a make-or-break year for two, in my opinion. He's, he has a more improved offensive line, not to mention the sign Teron Armstead to a five-year, $75 million deal. More weapons, Cedric Wilson from the Cowboys, obviously Tyree Kill now, a bunch of running backs. Everything's set in place for Tua. The question is, will he perform to the expectations that were originally give to, given to him? Eric, what are your thoughts on the trade? Oh, man. I'm, I'm, I mean, whew. I don't know. I'm thinking about it in the fantasy term right now. Stock may be plummeting. <laughs> you may need. You may be able to buy low on Tyreek Hill stock right now. I'm feeling it. I'm telling you. 
It's, I, I think that's a great idea. It's it's a good idea. I think he yeah. like in fan in fantasy projections now he may fall down a little bit because he's going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua. But Tua, I mean Tua, like if you look at Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle is more about getting receptions uh, because Tua just Tua doesn't really like throw very deep. He he plays more of the short game than anything and lets his playmakers make plays. And when you have Tyreek Hill, one of the fastest guy in the NFL, and Jalen Waddle, who is also one of the fastest guys in the NFL, you just have to let your players make plays. Um, so for fantasy purposes, you may be able to buy low on him now and could possibly sell high on him if you uh, choose to see. But uh, you talked about the Dolphins side. I'll talk about the Chiefs side. Um, this is rough. I mean, this is big. I mean, obviously, I know they didn't. This is what happens when you pay your quarterback $500 million. You can't afford everything nice anymore. Uh, so it's just his only real piece of uh, big attacking piece now is Travis Kelsey, would you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey and... Marquez Valdez Scandling, who just signed with the Chiefs, but like really, that's not even a desirable option to have to throw to. Oh, not, Juju, Juju as well. He, okay, he does have Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, still, I mean, Juju was playing second fiddle to Deontay Johnson in Pittsburgh, so. Yeah, Tyreek Hill's irreplaceable. I mean, there's no, no question about can, that. That's the thing. It doesn't matter who you. And very well, the Chiefs could go out and draft wide receivers now with these picks. There's not a lot of needs that the Chiefs have but so they could draft a replacement per se of Tyreek Hill for his production but it's um right now not knowing obviously the draft would change a lot of stuff right now I have the Chiefs in second second in the division you have the Chargers at one no Denver really Denver. Really? Denver. Really? Yeah. Yes. They signed Chandler Jones, who is a ma- an amazing D uh, line player. Chandler Jones, I thought, went to the Raiders. No, is it? Who? Jones. Jones, 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 Jones. They signed some great interior. They have. They the only. Talking about the Broncos. The Broncos only signed um, Randy Gregory. I, I know, but. Oh, okay. Maybe. All right. Unless I mix- there's someone else. I may have just mixed up Chandler Jones with the Broncos, but still, I would still have the Broncos number one because they have Russell Wilson. They and they have good. They have uh, Judy out wide. They have Sutton out out wide. They have uh, Williams in the backfield. I just they have Patrick Sertain on in the secondary as well. Exactly, they have a good defense, and they can. Russell Wilson will elevate Judy, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton. Yeah, it seems like your love for Russell Wilson doesn't just exist on the Seahawks. It carries no, over to the Broncos I guess it as doesn't. well. I mean, but um, I, I, I like the Chargers, though, too. You know I do. You know I really like Eckler and Herbert, and it's... It's I, a tough division right now. Like It's the a tough... The Raiders are still in yeah. fourth. The, Ra- uh, the only thing I can guarantee is the Raiders will end up fourth in that division. Yeah, I, I have the Chargers at one, if we were like, making predictions at this moment, um, just because... They have the elite offense. I don't know if the Broncos are going to be an elite offense. Obviously, Russell Wilson can can make them an elite offense, but they, when comparing weapons on both teams, the Chargers still have the edge. And the Chargers made a lot of great additions on defense as well with Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, um, 
I don't know. I mean, I think the Chiefs are clearly the number two team. But whoever you want to put at one, that's that's up to your discretion. I just don't see the Chiefs at that at one in the division right now. I see the Chiefs fighting for two. I don't. (laughs) I think whoever's number one. I'm I'm not sold on Denver. I'm not sold like I'm not sold on like picking Denver or the Chargers. I think it's between them right now. I do. Ben may hate me for this. Um, but I just. The de- now that Denver has a QB, a, a Super Bowl winning QB, I see them as a more complete team than the Chiefs. Yeah, it, it's just it's tough to probably obviously it's it's still so early on. We have plenty of time before the season's going to get started. There's still more moves to be made. The Chiefs aren't done. Obviously, they're going to make more moves in free agency. Probably, definitely going to attack the draft. They have the most picks now yeah. at the moment in the 2022 NFL draft. So. Uh, the AFC West is still a going to be an intense di- divisional race. The AFC East, I, in my opinion, got a little bit more interesting. I think oh, yeah. the Bills are still the favorite, but the, the Dolphins, I don't think the Dolphins are done making moves either, but I do think the Bills still have the edge, but the Dolphins are going to gonna be, be fighting for the top spot in that division. I see the Dolphins fighting for a wild card. Um, and, I mean, they... With this move, you have to make the wild card. You have to have. You need to make the playoffs. You, the Dolphins are absolutely in playoff contention. Whatever you, however you may see it. I mean, with the AFC West, it's almost like the wild card. It could be a crapshoot. Like you have to win your division now, um, unless like it's just they're just beating up on each other in the AFC West. Just teams beating teams. Everyone goes like, can everyone? Go- yeah, everyone can go three and three, right? Yeah, yeah, everyone can go three and three. So yeah. I mean, if everyone like then that's like three losses on everyone's head right there, and if the Dolphins can handle business in their own division, then you could see possibly a, like if they can, if the Dolphins can go four and two or five and one, let's say with one loss against the Bills, and can handle business against New England, which they have proven in the past, and can handle pr- business against the Jets which they have proven if they can sneak a win uh, from Buffalo, maybe down in Miami, then that can be very, that could very well, like that's what, if I were a Dolphins fan, if I were you, I'd be hoping that the AFC West beats up on each other and everyone, and like no one really goes five and one or six and oh, or, and hopefully not like four and two, everyone somehow ends up going three and three and you're, you're four and two or five and one. I mean, that's a, then like that gives you a nice little cushion for in-division games, which are, as everyone knows, tougher than out of the division games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way the way that I'm looking at it right now, you're gonna have three wild card spots for the following teams: the Titans, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, um, Ravens, Dolphins, Dolphins, Pittsburgh. You can make an argument for Pittsburgh. So there's. Let's just say there's like seven or eight teams that are going to be competing for three spots, which is not ideal if you're a team in the AFC. Obviously, on the NFC, that's just not the case, and it's not even close to the case. But uh, it's it's going to be very. I I'm gonna I have like five things I just want to mention about the Dolphins. Or like five really quick things. Yeah. Just in 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 regards to them put, making a push for the playoffs. Um. Obviously, there's reports out there that they're going to make some more moves to try and get you know, their team even stronger. And I think if there's a couple more moves made, whether it's on the offensive line, linebacking core, secondary, 
at some point after the draft, I will be ready to declare possible that the Dolphins will win the division based off if I, if I see if I see a certain number of moves. Um, as far as going back to the, the Tyreek Hill trade in general, there's a lot of people saying out there that Tua and Tyreek Hill are not going to mesh very well because Tua does not have a very good deep ball. That That is the most stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, if you go back all the way to Alabama, Tua was – the master of the deep ball and obviously it's not like that was so long ago and obviously he, he has not been able to stay as healthy as we all would have hoped but he is still has a very good deep ball and besides even the deep ball that's not even where Tyreek Hill makes most of his money here's a good stat for you Eric that's so it. Tua has the third quickest average release at two and a half seconds and in that span of time last year Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill had the were in top five were in the top five for most receptions within that span, um, within two seconds of the snap. So with that being said, with Tua's quick release and him able to get the ball out to Waddle and Hill and Mike McDaniel's ability to scheme these guys into um, schemes that are going to be really tough for opposing defenses to stop, I'm, I'm really excited for what we can see from this offense, and not to mention the running back court with Mostert, who's one of the fastest guys in the NFL, along with Chase Edmonds, who is a dual threat out of the backfield. I'm very excited. And my last thing is we own the Dolphins, own the Jets. It's official now. We own, we own them in this trade. We own them in play every single year. The Jets had Tyreek Hill at their fingertips on Monday, and they slowly uh, lost, lost grip on him, and that is why he is on the Dolphins. Fins up, everybody. Apparently it's fins up season. It's dolphin season. I don't. We'll see. We'll see if it translates. I mean, you guys gave him a massive contract. Honestly, uh, Devontae Adams' contract really like messed up the market, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> royally messed it up. I mean, like thirty million, like thirty million plus to a wide receiver. I know they're becoming way more valuable now. You can obviously see that with what the Rams just did. I mean, with Odell. And then they just now signed uh, Allen Robinson. Um, but yeah, not- I, I have a, if we have time for a little little exercise really quickly, yeah. I, was going, uh, I was going over this on another podcast. Um, and we were talking about, like, the best wide receiver duos now in the NFL. Okay. I'll, I'll give you just a couple of du- – uh, just a list of duos and tell me whether um, Tyreek be- Hill and Jalen Waddle okay. are below or above the okay. said duo. So Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Allen – Cooper Cup and Allen – I would um, – uh, based off of recent history, I would have to go Tyreek Hill and Waddle. I'd have Cooper Cup over Tyreek Hill, but I would have Waddle over – uh, Allen Robinson more so than Cooper Cup over Tyreek Hill. Okay. Uh, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Oh, that's... I would... <laughs> I'm going Adams and Renfro. I love... Like, you You knew from fantasy. I did have them both, but, like, you knew I loved Renfro. Renfro is a... I mean, we know Waddle's a catch machine, but that is, <laughs> Renfro is the catch machine. <laughs> so I would go Adams over, and Renfro okay. over them. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, Tyreek and Waddle. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Uh, Tyreek and Waddle. All right. Um, final one. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, Tyreek. 
and Waddle. Okay, I mean that that's around what I have. Uh, the only difference that I have between you and my li- my list is I have Adams and Renfro at one, and Cup and Robinson at three. I've Hill and Waddle above all those other ones. Like you said, I agree with that. I just have the I I believe Cup and Robinson are a better duo than Hill and Waddle. I I kind of put put behind Allen Robinson recent history just because of the bigger sample size. But you can make make an argument for any of those. Uh, first three duos are the best duo in the NFL. So yeah, I just Adams and Renfro, man, like that could be. I know you you have a you have a soft spot I, for Hunter Renfro. I, I, I know you do. I do. I really, really do. Uh, but Waddle man. too, though. I mean, and and Waddle though, and Waddle. That that's why that was tough. It was just I see. I mean, I think Adams is uh like it's like one A and one B between Adams and Cup. It really is. And then oh, yeah. Tyreek is like top five. No, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see these new wide receiver duos come together and uh, we'll see how they develop on the field later on when the season starts. Yeah, the other big trade is that Matt Ryan's going to the Colts. Colts are now officially back into playoff contention. And um, I think this puts them as the favorite at the moment to win the division. Uh, I bet Tommy, your other co-host, is very happy about this move. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at the way the Colts roster is assembled at the moment, they're pretty much a quarterback at um, quarterback away from competing for a Super Bowl. Obviously, it's going to be a lot tougher now with the amount of competition in the AFC. I still believe they can use another receiver. I don't think Michael Pittman's a, a great one. If you can get another another guy, maybe like an Odell. Uh, that would really sure things up on that end. But now they, they still have the defense. They have the offensive line. Matt Ryan still has enough in him to get this team where the, where they want to go. And I, I really I really love the addition. And we'll see how it ends up working out. I, I think it's a great addition. I mean, Matt Ryan can prove that he can throw for touchdowns and yards. Um, and just he th- and he throws for less in- interceptions than uh than than Wentz. So uh, you can um. It's kind of it's kind of simple upgrade. I mean, I I don't know how they. I saw some tweets and stuff about how they were messing with the uh, salary on the books and stuff like that. I don't know. I think they transferred a lot of that to signing bonus. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that doesn't count against your salary cap. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> there's there's cheat codes, but a- appa- um, apparently so. Yeah. But um, now the Colts are I would consider the favorite. Uh, Ryan Ten, I think. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is showing a little bit of age. Uh, Derrick Henry is has a lot of tread on those tires, man. We finally mm-hmm. saw some wear on it this past year. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, still, we still have the draft to come up. We still, like, when's the draft? The draft, like, within a e- month? End of April. Yeah. yeah, within a month. So then we'll be making our little mock draft for, like, maybe top ten picks or whatever. Bit or like predicting like important picks that could be made by by teams that need the most. I, I've I have a question. Do you, uh, this is I feel like this question gets asked like every off season. But do you think this has been the craziest NFL off season so far? Yeah, out of absolutely. Yeah. Tom Brady came back from retirement. That's never happened before. Uh, that is true. Uh, that you is haven't true. ever. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I don't even know if there was ever a, uh, as big of a QB trade as Russell Wilson to the Broncos. True. I mean, there's there's been a handful of, of quarterback trades, and obviously now 
bigger trades with with these wide receivers too. These these two probably the top two wide receivers in the NFL. I don't think we're gonna ever see that again. Traded and traded in the same offseason to teams where they already had top two, top three quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I it's just and then even no, not let's not even talk about teams in the actual NFL. We can talk about broadcasting. Al Michaels is leaving Chris uh no Collins uh Chris Collinsworth. Uh, for I think uh, Amazon Prime contract. And he was supposed to retire. What? Al, Al Michaels was supposed to retire. Yes. And he decided to come out of retirement to do that. So that that's uh, and then we have um Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on going Monday to ESPN. They're going to ESPN now. I mean, it's a lot of moves in the NFL landscape. I, I didn't even think about all those other moves. And then we have the whole coaching scandal with Brian Flores and all the coaching drama. Yeah. I mean, wow, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's in the entire NFL landscape. Not even talking players, teams, coaches, whatever. Broadcasting wise, too, it's a lot of movement. A lot of movement. This is looking like the NBA now, man. Oh yeah, I'm I'm expecting some director out there already getting the script ready for because you can put this off season into a movie. I Absolutely, think. I, mean, I would watch it. I mean, yeah. Speaking of watching, you're starting to watch Drive to Survive, which uh, they sum up the season pretty much every year. They just did their season four. And last week was the first official race of the 2022 Formula One season, Jet. I know you didn't watch it. You're starting to get into it. I know who won. I can tell you who won. Of course you can. You can read the headlines. Um, It was the Bahrain Grand Prix. A lot of, I mean... I'll say this, all right, because we had two friends, Ben and Lindsay. They've been guests. They have done guest appearances on here. They uh, they got into Formula One by watching Drive to Survive, and I always recommend you watch it if you just want to have a little taste of what Formula One is about. It does a good job of introducing it to you in an easy format. Gives you to understand past time, like stories, storylines, and everything like that. Jets just now getting into it after not. Not listening to me though, he he decides to read an article off of Twitter instead, and not listen to to like my review of it at all. Um, but he's getting into it now, and he said, apparently he may be watching uh, the race this weekend. I don't know. Or will you be? It's at a it's at one p.m. today uh, this week. Um, I might might have other obligations at at that moment in time, but um, I'm definitely gonna you know make my way through through the. The, the series drive drive to survive because uh daniel ricardo is off to a great start in, in the early early makings of this of this show and yeah i'm guys, excited to see where see where he goes because obviously the first first episode i believe that was t- took place in 2018 if yeah, i'm correct yeah he's talking about uh 2018 because if you uh if you watched it at all or if you um care to know daniel ricardo he finished 14th this past race So he's on a struggle bus right now. McLaren overall is on a struggle bus, but I will say this. I told this to Ben and Lindsay. The first race, it's always exciting because it's the first race of the season. It's like the first game of any any of the big four four leagues in America. um, It can be sloppy. It's for every league. It's for every sport. First game, first race. It's very sloppy. Uh, it's it, ca- it has a lot of excitement because it's the first, but it can be very sloppy because it's the first, and we saw that. Um, M- uh, Mercedes uh, was not very competitive, I would say, throughout the entire race. Um, 
the only team that looked really good was Ferrari, and I love to see that. Ferrari stole one and two with Charles Leclerc taking one, Carlos Sainz taking two, but that's a little asterisk on there because Red Bull, at, I, w- I wouldn't like four-fifths of the way done with the race, I would say, first Max Verstappen's engine just shuts off completely shuts off so he's out of the race and he was in the he was uh fighting for pole position with Charles Leclerc at the time he was he was number 2 and then a little bit later on in the race a few laps later uh Ser- Sergio Perez's engine just shuts off in the middle of the race and he was battling for third place right for third place with Carlos Sainz so it was so they they Red Bull completely just got out of the race in the final I want to say 15 laps of the race which is devastating for Red Bull because right now they are at a massive deficit against Ferrari and Mercedes because Mercedes actually ended up finishing 3-4 Lewis Hamilton did finish in third place George Russell finished in fourth place uh another big I mean it's we'll see this week coming up how clean it can get. What I'm very happy to see, though, Jet, um, you'll you'll catch on to this theme through watching it. Uh, since 2018, it's really only it's up till I would say 2020. Actually, uh, it's only been a two-team uh, race competing for the championship, the constructors and the drivers. I would say um, it's only been McLaren and Red Bull. Now this season, ju- this is again very early on. It's only one race. Uh, a lot of teams were sloppy this first race, so maybe Ferrari just got a head start, and teams will catch up to them. But right now, as it as it stands, it's a three team race, and that's what you want to see. You want to see three teams competing for the championship. You want to see three drivers from three different teams competing to win pole position, win and compete for driver the drivers' championship. So it's. It's big. It's new. It's. I'm really, and I'm very happy to see competition levels being risen. Um, still, teams at the bottom are not really competing. I mean, Jet, you have anything to say? Yeah, I actually have some news to report on about Formula One. All um, right, let's hear it. Through through my inside sources, I'm hearing that Formula One is going to Las Vegas in Thanksgiving of 2023. Um. Las Vegas could end up becoming Formula One's flagship race in the U.S. Obviously, it's been in Austin, and they're debuting in Miami in May. But uh, the expectation is that Formula One will be racing in and out of the city streets around the Las Vegas Strip. And Formula One also has expressed interest to go to New York. So uh, Formula One bringing bringing all of that talent to the U.S. more and more frequently now, especially the Drive to Survive series had a lot to do with that, getting all these American viewers to be able to watch the show and get a, get a taste, like Eric said, of what Formula One is about. Uh, they're continuing to pounce on expanding their American audience, and I think they're doing a very good job of it. Exactly. They've also expressed interest in having races in South Africa also, which I think that, that would be very interesting to see. New York would be very difficult because it would be a, uh, what is considered street racing, uh, uh, only really comparison I can come to mind right now is uh the uh, Mo- uh Monte Carlo. I mean that's one that is the most iconic race that you think of when you think of Formula One is the Monte Carlo Grand Prix. It's in Mo- it's technically the Monaco Grand Prix, but it's in Monte Carlo, and that's what's cons- that's street racing. Um, but they've been doing that well before our time. I think well before even like 
uh, like maybe like right after or a little bit before even World War, War World War Two. So th- I mean, it's just it would be very difficult to set a location in New York, Vegas. It's flat land. You could make a racetrack out of it. You can make a, a brand new racetrack easily around Vegas. There's a lot of land to work with. New York, it would be very difficult because uh, it's hard to shut that shit city down, especially if it was certain streets. If it was street racing, which I, I wouldn't see it as any other way of being done. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I also, um, the CEO of Formula One, said that he can envision the the. Um, series increasing all the way up to 30 total races i believe the 2022 season is currently at 23 uh grand prix contests if if my math is correct um but yeah exciting stuff for the formula one and i'm excited to get more involved in it as i watch some of these episodes in in the drive to survive series and uh maybe i'll join eric for a, a couple of grand prix down the line absolutely i mean after this week then there's a week off and then it's the Australian one in which do you want to stay up uh, till 1 a.m. to watch that race because it's in Australia? I will be doing that for sure. Oh, okay. I'll hold you to that. It's on record, guys. Um, but that was episode 46, the Andy Pettit episode. Uh, we'll find out if you guys get to hear about us talking about that Dodgers lineup and all the Correa talk. If not, Sorry about it. What can you do? Mother Nature just wasn't on our side this time around. But, yeah, guys, that was episode 46. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching on YouTube. Peace out.